Hello and welcome back to the Nostalgia FC podcast with your hosts, me, Drew. And me, George. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of obscure football history and obscure footballing players. So each week we'll get on a guest who will give us their favourite footballing 11, their manager, their stadium, their kit and their super sub. Yes, and this week's guest is a man by the name of Josiah Raphael. However, we know him as JJ, really great guy, and uh, we're very excited to have him on the podcast with us. He has his own YouTube slash Facebook slash podcast kind of kind of dealy called Frivolous Arguments. So go check him out. I'm sure you'll plug it later on. So without further ado, this is JJ. All right, JJ, welcome to the pod. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's good to have you on. So big football fan? Oh, definitely, definitely. So it gives you a team then who do you support? Oh, unfortunately, I am an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I would say Very. unfortunately, you're a great team apart from the weekend when Liverpool win 3 0. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very comfortable in 10th at the moment. <laughs> you, Top half finish. A, you are in a rebuild. That's the best way. <laughs> I, I think we, we've built, been in a rebuild since Wenger left. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, playing the long game. Eventually it'll come around. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So you got Arsenal club, club wise, international. Nigeria. Yeah. Ooh, we're in the top as well. Oh, yeah. I had, to, I had to pull this one out. Yeah, mate. It's a beaut. <laughs> Sweet. Right. Let's dive straight in. What is your formation? So, did, I actually struggled with this a little bit um, because initially I had a 3-5-2, but there was a last minute change. Yes. So, technically, you could call it a 3-1-2-3-1. <laughs> Right. I call it. Let me do maths quickly. That doesn't equal (laughs) ten. Yeah, that's good. It's a reverse Christmas tree. Reverse Christmas tree. All right. I even I even drew it. That's the (laughs) formula. That's commitment to the cause. I love that. In 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 possession, it's probably more like a three five two. But that's how I've drawn it up. Yeah, you said a lot of numbers there. That confused me. (laughs) Three one two three one. Yeah, that that equates. Could just be four two three one with someone sitting in front of a battery, right? Kind Basically, of. instead of a centre back, you got a defensive right. mid. This isn't a maths okay. podcast. Let's get off that. <laughs> no more maths. I'm, my head's gone already. <laughs> All right. So, starting at the back, as always, in your reverse Christmas tree, who mm. is your goalkeeper? <laughs> so, goalkeepers obviously are supposed to be Mr. Reliable. But growing up as an Arsenal fan, that has never been the case. You know, we've had, <laughs> I, I suffered through. Almunia, Flapiansky, Chesney. <laughs> um, so, so over the years, I'm I'm okay with somebody a little bit erratic. Yeah. Um, as long as they they can shot stop. Um, I I initially did want to go with Oliver Kahn, but I couldn't for reasons that I'll come on to. So instead, I've gone for probably the best goalkeeper in the world right now, Manuel Neuer. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The number 10 who disguises himself as a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got to be, be one of the best ball-playing goalkeepers, as well as just yeah. being an incredible shot stuffer. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what? It, it's funny because right now, obviously, he has a lot of recognition, and, and rightly so. But my first memory, and I don't have too many obscure players, but I've got a lot of players which are very nostalgic for me, which I hope yeah, is yeah. the point of the show. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's uh, in the name. It's in the name. Uh, and so Manuel Neuer, my first memory of him 
was the Champions League game against Inter Milan. And obviously everyone remembers Robin Van Persie's diving header, but Manuel Neuer kind of, he's kind of the guy until, you know, Stankovic volleyed it from the halfway line and scored. (laughs) (laughs) But, but aside from that and following that, he, he, he's been brilliant. Yeah. He's one of them keepers where the older he's got, the less he cares. Like, Obviously, he's been Germany's number one for like 10 plus years now mm. and Bayern the same and Schalke before that. So obviously, he's been number one ever he's been. So now he's had, never had a challenge. So he just makes challenge for himself. He's like, wow, this goalkeeper is a bit boring. I'm going to go play centre defensive mid for a half. Yeah. <laughs> just ventures you know out. And, and that's, the thing, that's the thing as well. He's had so many amazing moments. Like I think he's had Champions League saves against... He's had Ronaldo. He saved one in the Chelsea final, which they lost. He scored one in the Chelsea final, which they lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, would you still say, I think I would, but would you still say he's the best keeper in the world? He definitely was at a point in his career, but you've got so many strong keepers now. You know what? Right now, I would probably say, yeah. Because, because growing up, I think for, for our kind of era, it was always the debate between Casillas and Buffon. Yeah. Yeah. Then if you wanted to add in, uh, Julio Cesar, Cesar yeah, yeah. Uh, before he went to QPR anyway um, <laughs> but then he's that, was just, that was my highlight <laughs> I, 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 I didn't understand it I, <laughs> I believe um, he got paid a lot of money yeah. a lot but but even still he kind of came came on and blew away kind of all the records Oliver Kahn was like the most established goalkeeper in the world and he just broke all of his records yeah. and I think even, even now you know obviously Juve are on their run and we think of Bayern, how dominant they are. But in the decade before that he got to Bayern, Dortmund won it twice. Wolfsburg won the league. I think Stuttgart won it. I think where the Bremen might have won it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's and he kind of transformed that. And now, obviously, all the, all the kind of emerging goalkeepers and obviously what Pep did with him, he's kind of the template for that sweeper keeper and enabling yeah. teams to play. Oh, yeah. You don't you don't have an Edison without Neuer. No, no not at all. And no one does it better than the old Manuel. He yeah. is the best, the OG and the best sweeper-keeper, I would say. I, I think I'd, I'd agree with you. Yeah, there. definitely. Let's move on into the three. Mm. Just making sure I've read the numbers right. Yeah, the three. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking three centre-backs? We're talking three just general defenders? What are we saying? Uh, three three guys who can play centre-back, but two which are who also have a history of playing down their respective sides. So I'll start on, on the right-hand side with arguably my worst player in this in this team. <laughs> um, so with this being being an Arsenal fan growing up, I am an astute fan of Vengable. But one of the criticisms he obviously had in his latter years was was not having enough defensive resilience and a lack of leadership. So I've addressed that. Uh, it's business in the front, business in the back, and party in the middle. But the decent defense is all business. And we're starting with the guy who won the ball back for that Stankovic goal, and that is Javier Zanetti. Yes. I have waited for someone to pick Zanetti. (laughs) Yes. Did you say, in last night, you said that he's possibly your worst player? He is possibly the worst player. I don't want to know. (laughs) In in my opinion, everybody else in the team was a nail on. Zanetti was the one I thought about. Yeah. All right, fair play. Yeah. So I, I think obviously I know you've had I was Cafu is obviously 
kind of the template for that role. Danny Alves is the most decorated player of all time. Um, I, had, I had a guy in football manager who's my best football na- manager player of all time, Mario Fernandez, a Russian guy uh, who killed it in every single save. But I think Zanetti is, if you're talking about defensive right backs, and he's obviously a lot more well-rounded, but he's the best defensive right back of all yeah, time. I completely agree with that. I, 100%, 100%. I've been waiting for someone to pick him or to pick Gianluca Zambrotta for ages, mm. just so we could talk about them because... Right backs playing in the Italian league or just a different gravy. Like, no one can touch him. Zanetti, this is mad, right? He joined Inter Milan in 1995. So we were all in our infancy. <laughs> yeah. And he left in 2014. So for pretty much for our, how, our whole lives, Javier Zanetti was playing for Inter Milan at the top level. That's insane. And the fact that Inter Milan wasn't even his... First side, I yeah. Think. No, what, what age was he when he retired? Then I have no idea. Was he... he's, he's 47 now, so seven he years ago, so 40. 40. He had he had uh over a thousand appearances, yeah. I think he's he, I think he's in he's in the top 10 for all time appearances for a professional player, crazy. And, and he's and, so good as well, like you said, like he's just that and, sort of and, pinnacle of right backs. And when you think about the fact that his hair stayed perfect as a Lego piece <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> I've literally just looked at a picture of him and I know exactly what you mean. It's literally like the party it's, never moved. <laughs> it's as if, yeah, you could have just removed it and put a different <laughs> haircut on. So. The, the, only, the only person who I can think compares is Mikel Arteta. In his yeah. hair, it's always yeah. perfect as well. But it's just incredible. And I think when you look at, you know, Syria and their reputation for the defensive side of the ball. Zanetti was there anchoring and he won how many titles with Milan? I think it was like five or something. Yeah. And he was just... Italy crazy. Italy have always had that. Um, and I'd say they still do, even though you know, you've got like stars like Ronaldo in there and stuff now. But he always had stars in there. But they've always had like, like you say, start from the back, build a good defensive core to your team and then build around that. Yeah. And it, it, it works. Obviously... Uh, Italian teams have fallen off recently, but back then when Zanetti was playing, and like all the others we've mentioned, it, it was just complete. To put into to context how good he was for such a long time, when he retired, Inter Milan retired the number four. Yes, they had um, good, yeah. that armband with all the players he ever played with as well. Yeah, mad. Well, I never knew how popular is the number four, and they retired it. Imagine being the person that had to come up with a list of all his teammates, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a homework thing, isn't it? Like, oh, still here. Four, oh, yeah, ten hours was, later. There was that one. Uh, there was that one youth player who played for uh, <laughs> one game. Amazing, right? Great choice. Yeah, we're doing well so far. And if he's your worst, in your opinion, then either you've got some mad opinions, or <laughs> <laughs> this is a hell of a team. So let's go into the centre of your centre-backs. Um, so this one this one was a bit tricky. I don't really have too many centre-backs that I love. I did consider Colo Torre, Mr. Yeah. Invincible. Um, there was also Chris Samba in the running. Um, Arsenal perennially linked with him before he went off to Russia for an yeah. experiment with Samuel Eto'o. <laughs> but I settled for somebody on the other side of the San Siro, uh, Mr. Alessandro Nesta. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know they were, you know, heated rivals, but you put those two together and hey, 
this is this is your team and they will, <laughs> they will play together for you. Don't worry, JJ. What a job. What a job. You, can, you can force them together, don't worry. That's fine. Yeah, that's a hell of a choice. Nesta is so much of us like a silky smooth centre back. Mm. Not like you not like you lump it out and just hope for the best. He's like foot on the ball, head up, passing it out. Love him. You know, and I think that's crazy about Nestor as well, where somehow he is underrated. Like, people appreciate he was great, but he's still underrated. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the problem he had was he was in an era of Italian defenders when he was with Maldini, Cannavaro, Barzagli, and then Bonucci and Chiellini came through. It's always difficult for him to maintain a spot in the national side. And also... Oh, the superstars that were in the team with him as well, not just defensive wise. He he would he got overlooked because of the likes of um, um I can think of Kaka off the top of my head, which is just yeah, like Stam, Sadov, Inzaghi, yeah. oh Sadov, Crespo, you know, oh. and, and and I think that's the thing as well. When you look at kind of when you're talking about kind of the players that he was with, he played with so many because even though I know he had a lot of injuries as well. But he still had a 20-year career. Yeah. Most players who have an injury history like him is have a short career, but somehow he managed to keep it going for such a long time and come back always at that same level, which is just crazy. Yeah, yeah it's the sort of resilience of it, isn't it? It's just insane. Well, between the two players you've got in defence so far, it's probably the longest careers of any two centre-backs. Yeah. <laughs> something in the war at the San Siro. Well, yeah. it- World it's Cup about World to get longer. I'm going to add to that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Let's, well, let's go on to that. Then. Who is your next centre-back? So, for some reason, he's not the obvious choice for everyone. Um, I know some people would put themselves at left-back, but for this one, I'm going to have to go with probably and possibly the, the best player in this team, Mr Paolo Maldini. Yeah, it's a uh, all, all Italian affair at the back. Oh, sorry, I don't know what else. Syria, all Syria affair at the back. Syria, yeah. Ah, uh, he was there long enough. He's pretty much Italian. How long is it again? Back. Again, over a thousand appearances, twenty years. Madness. That defense is <laughs> the nicest looking defense I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know what? I, I was tempted to. Obviously, people think of Roberto Carlos and that. I would, I would hear you out if you said Ashley Cole, but I think Maldini is kind of, I think many people recognise him as the greatest defender full stop of all time. Yeah. I yeah, think Rob. it just says a lot about Maldini as well, that now his son is a professional for AC and then like obviously his dad was, I think his dad before, his grandfather was as well. So that, that whatever's going on in the Maldini household, someone needs to bottle that because it's obviously working. You know, and then, to have, you know, that, and it's a theme of the defence, having that sustained level of excellence. And you're also a guy who, you know, I think he's the, is he the old, he was, I don't know if he still is, the oldest Champions League scorer with a certain goal against Liverpool, the fastest Champions League scorer with a certain goal against Liverpool. Right, it turned <laughs> out all right in the end, it's fine, I don't mind. <laughs> it was nice for him to have his moment in the sun. Good job. No, the, the, the fun thing that I found reading about him was he started as a right back. I never knew that. I never knew and that. He switched into the left. He started as a right back, right footed. So he literally played all the way across the back and I guarantee he was the best right back as well. 
yeah, he, he was the best. I bet you he was the best everywhere he played along that back four. I put him up front. Why not? <laughs> Give him a go. Yeah, why I'd not? put him anyway. <laughs> yeah, literally. Him and Manuel Neuer can just swap places every now and then if Manuel fancies a run. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's, what's that they're doing on FIFA now? Is it iconic moments, something like that, where they take a snapshot of the play? You could probably get him at four different points in his career. Yeah, 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 the back line. Just a, t- a whole de- defence full of Maldinis. He, so he played 25 seasons for Milan, wasn't it? And he won five Champions League with them. So that's 20% of his club career he won the Champions League. That's mad. That's insane. I think he got something like t- three red cards in his entire career. Crazy. Especially like in Italy where the referees are a little bit more like trigger happy with their cards. That's crazy. Like when they say Italy's like the most defensive league, when you go over there, you don't score goals. I'm convinced that is entirely due to Maldini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's definitely players that built that sort of um, like that era of uh, defenders definitely built that sort of um, I don't know what word I'm looking for. <laughs> Someone <laughs> helped. Reputation. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> Probably with the other two guys in the defense. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. Yeah. But I also found out that even though he's so he's got four World Cup tournament appearances, I think there's like four people with five, but he has the most minutes played at World Cups, nice. which is incredible in itself. That's crazy, well, isn't it? He, he was played. playing in the World Cup before we were born. All right, lovely. What what a goalkeeper defence combo that is. People are going to struggle to score against that. And by the looks of things, you've got a defensive midfielder, right? Yes. Um, As if you need so- one. <laughs> I was going to say this. This is like the most pointless. This, this man's job is the most pointless job in the world. He's just there for I, a good time. I am. I am really glad you have said that because it will okay. suddenly make a lot of sense. So, so, so on the ball, there's no point. He, he goes up into a pivot. Uh, my attacking mid pushes forward. My centre mid moves into to attacking. My defensive mid moves into centre mid. So it's a three-five-two on the ball. But it will make sense why. This person is there. Okay. So in the original 3-5-2, um, I kind of forced two strikers, but I wasn't sure on one. Um, but I had settled on Fernando Torres. I had settled on him. But then I was listening to some podcasts and decided to remove Torres and make way for a more appropriate player. And that would be somebody that both of you have seen play but I don't think you all have seen much of him. Is it you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so can we just get this on record, Jacob? Mm. Are you saying you're a better player than Fernando Torres? And also, I, I, are you a better I, player than Javier Zanetti? Because you said he was the worst player. <laughs> I, I am true. saying that it makes sense that Torres doesn't make this team. Yeah, okay, okay. Right. <laughs> Although, Drew has got a point. You did say Zanetti was the worst player on this team. I'm sticking by that. I did say <laughs> arguably. <laughs> <but I'm> <laughs> by- <laughs> hey, I used to love watching you play football. So, context for the listeners. Mm. Uh, the three of us used to play for the same student, the student union league team in first year called Copacabana. I'm currently rocking the kit. Very ill-fitting, yeah. but it's still there. And uh, JJ was a no-holds-barred, get on the pitch, break legs, run around, ball of energy, and it was great to watch. Oh. I think that's a fair assessment of your game, right? I, 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 over the years, after I, after I left 
Copa, I became slightly more nuanced and cultured as a player. But at that time, I believe my reputation was the, mo- the most comparison that I got was to Vinnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, being somebody who is very short, being so physical and throwing yourself into tackles tends to rub, rub people up the wrong way. It doesn't help that I have a habit of mouthing off. I remember I remember we played one game and it was Halloween and I came on and took this guy out. I got the ball, but I took him out and he was like six foot sign and he came over to me and he said, because I was laughing afterwards as I do, and he came over to me and he said, what do you think you're better than us? Me being the intelligent person that I am said yes <laughs> <laughs> and he came over and i remember as well because his chest was at my forehead and then he said something or other about hunting me down if i went out trick, trick or treating but <laughs> <laughs> that's commitment to the line that he's pinpointed to halloween like you better not go trick or treat mate he's just there go pulling masks off kids no it's not him it's not him you know what over time, like I said, I got, I got, I did get slightly better. Uh, realized I'm actually really good at passing. Nice. So sat back. I actually had a referee whilst I was playing at uni tell me that he thought he didn't know what position I was playing, and he said that I was a false six. I don't know what that means. A false six. <laughs> That's a new one on me. I love that though. Ne- never heard of it before. <laughs> or since. But I did, I did actually develop a, a handy knack of arriving late into the box, like your hero, Ramsey. And the one goal I remember scoring for Copa was a late run into the box. A cross came in from the right-hand side and slotted it into, into the bottom left corner and did the Akocha holding up his leg celebration yeah. and dancing on spot on one leg. <laughs> Just going back to it, I love the fact that someone squared up to you and said... <laughs> I'm gonna hunt you down trick or treating later. Yeah, he, he he said don't go trick or treating tonight. <laughs> That's Preston. It's like, yeah. oh, I was I was gonna go before. It, it would have been a bit weird for someone <laughs> to open their door to a university student like, like, hey, rather than out at a club. Yeah, you, you, you go out to the club tonight. No, mate, trick or treating. Trick or treating. You know what? It's just I have this thing where when I play football, I laugh. Just because I enjoy it so much. I smile and I laugh and I can't help it. Great and so, so when you're in that situation and people want to get really serious, I just start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much worse. It's one of the things that people yeah. just don't want to do yeah, then, do they? It's like so angry. disarming. Yeah, if someone's angry and you're laughing at them. Just makes it worse. It. Like, what are you laughing That's at? Make you it worse, 10 times worse on them. <laughs> That's the thing though. Like, it, Obviously, it comes across so far on the podcast and obviously we know you, so it's... You're like such a nice guy, like really, really nice to talk to. And then as soon as you got on the pitch, breaking legs and then laughing at people. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. The the laugh afterwards has gone. <laughs> you've, been, you've been taken out and you were saying this guy was, was a lot taller than you. You've been taken out by someone who's just a lot shorter than you. And then he's laughing at you and he's just like, brilliant. Yeah. Love it. That's a great choice. Right. Totally That's back that decision. <laughs> Best, best choice in the team so far, I'd say. Better than Zanetti, Nesta, and Maldini. You don't need them in the back. You got it. You got it. I'm there to take care of it. So, the midfield two in front mm. of this one of yourself, is it sort of central midfielders there, both of them? Yeah, so this this is a centre mid. Um, the first one was a guy... So, 
in the last one I listened to, I think it was yours actually, Josh. You mentioned good tooth though. Yes. Right. And you said that, or somebody said that you weren't sure that anybody got on with Gattuso. For me, Xavi is the most unheralded member of the Barca three, but I did not go for him. No. I went for the one man who does get along with Gattuso, Andrea did, Pirlo. Yeah. I was going to say, did he play with him at Milan? Yeah. For me, yes. Pirlo is one of the most disrespected players of all time. I, I don't understand it. I think growing up, obviously right now, People are growing up and kind of, you watch the Premier League, but you also watch La Liga. And over the years of the Madrid-Barca rivalry, that's been it. But I grew up watching Serie A. That's my back line. I was the same as you. And so growing up with that team, and you've got obviously the greats that I've got in defence there, but also then you had the iconic Pirlo Ronaldinho Beckham over the free kick. And, you know, the first time that I played football manager with other people, it was an Italian save and I picked uh, Milan just so I could play with him. But even still, kind of all he did and all the recognition that he didn't get, then Milan dropped him, went to Juve and just dismantled everything. Yeah. yeah. He is, I would say, the, like, if you look up deep-lying playmaker in the dictionary, the football dictionary, if they're a hypothetical one, Andrea mm-hmm. Pirlo's there. He's the picture you find. You know what? And, and that's it, obviously over the recent years, particularly with football manager, the regista role has been more recognised. But for me, it was very interesting because me being a false six, he was the player that most resembled my play style, um, at least on the ball, maybe not scything people down. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, when he moved over there, it was, you had Inter, I think they won something like five titles. I think it was actually back to back. And then you had Milan win one with that uh, team. I think it was when they had Zlatan and Rubinho up front. And then he went to Juve and then you have Juve that are what they are today. After what, nine nine in a row? Yeah. I think it's around for four or five of them. Um, Madness. But even when you look at him internationally, I remember him tearing England apart. His free kick against England is just beautiful it's, it's one of the most memorable things i've ever seen on a football we, we love a good goal against england <laughs> <laughs> any any decent goal any, <laughs> any goal. goal any goal yeah but yeah he's just one of them players where like you, you can't speak highly enough of what he can do because no one really could do it better because just little a balls in behind over the top like slide rule passes just any kind of pass but then like you said he could ping him he could ping it you want him to Smash one in, he'll do it. Not very often, but if you wanted to. Someone who would just sit in that midfield role, wouldn't he, and just like distribute the ball out to anyone and everyone? You know what? It's. I think it was it was the World Cup highlights in Brazil, and I think it was BBC analysis breaking breaking down his performance. And they're basically just saying that you never see him run, but nobody's ever close to him, and he's always got time on the ball. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, he looked he looked as though he had all the time in the world whenever he got the ball. Yeah. Or even if he didn't have the ball, he just had all the time in the world. But like you say, you never saw him like absolutely break breaking his neck to get to a football like sprinting or anything, but what a player. Next centre mid is a guy who's very personally significant to me. The celebration I did for my one and only Copa goal, that is Mr. JJ Okocha. So talking to to, to Welsh people. No, obviously not about hating England. <laughs> but for me, it was really weird because I always said as a kid that 
if I went into politics like I wanted to, if I was prime minister, I'll be in England and I'll represent England. But if I play football, I need to play for Nigeria. So he's after, one of the biggest reasons, isn't he? <laughs> he one of them. It, it, it's partial. The first kind of major memory that I have in Nigerian football team was the 2002 World Cup when we had, I think it was England, Sweden and Argentina. We keep on getting Argentina oh, for some reason. Rough group that. England, England was the last was the last game of the group. I think we were already out at that stage and it was a 1-1 draw. But I was in primary school and they had those big ass TVs on the stands which they wheeled around. They had everyone in, in one assembly hall watching it. Um, naturally being biracial and dual heritage, I was told, you know, you support both teams, but then everybody was supporting England and there was one support staff member supporting Nigeria. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) Um, But he was just, you know, and growing up being called JJ, the comparison is just unavoidable. Um, Then after, after my dad died, uh, when I was 11, I went out to Nigeria for school for two years at which point I actually got to learn more about, you know, where my dad's from and that kind of culture and stuff. And then I got the, you know, so good they named them twice and all that kind of just <laughs> embedded in it um, to the point where I ended up, you know, supporting Bolton as a third team for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think mean, a lot of people supported that Bolton side just for <sighs> Like whether you were from Nigeria or not, it's just mm. incredible. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've said it before, but, any man that is audacious enough to do a rainbow flick mid-game and pull it off and pull it Scott, off. You know, I, I know people talk about Neymar stuff, but being an Arsenal fan, I think it was him in the corner flag over one shimmy between two. If you go on YouTube, there's some amazing videos. If you search Okocha training youth, it's, it's this club produced video of him training some, some youth kids in the Reebok and teaching them all his skill moves. And in one, he, talk, he talks about um, Ronaldo stealing his, his step over and dummy. <laughs> uh, I heard one of your discussions where you talked about uh, it was the 96 Olympics yeah. where Nigeria won the gold medal and then Ronaldo stealing it after. <laughs> I love it. I like the idea of him training the youth in the Reebok Stadium and Usually, a, a coach when they're training like kids that age, are like, right, let's let's learn the basics, let's learn the, the simple sort of. And JJ is <laughs> like, nah, watch this, lads, <laughs> come on, no, flicks. His level of skill was so good, and he also reminds me of kind of that generation of players. You know, we talk about players diving nowadays. Or oh, sorry, if you're English, it's being smart. But players <laughs> diving nowadays, and there's this him staying on his feet through challenges. There's, I think it's against West Ham. There's a goal where he picks it up in his own half, rides a slide tackle, and then scores a worldie from outside the box. I just blew my mind watching never, him. You'll never get that anymore, will you? People will go down if they're touched now. And it's Best just... Nigerian player of all time, do you reckon? Listen, if, if you're asking me to choose between between uh, JJ Okocha and Yakubu or Joseph <laughs> Yobo... <laughs> I thought I was thinking Kanu. <laughs> Kanu, Mr. Grandad himself. Kanu is <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yakubu or Joseph Yobo wouldn't have been my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Vincent Enyema, an amazing goalkeeper. Yeah. But uh, Okocha, I think, you know, the things he did in the UK, 
Uh, in particular, he had one free kick, Roberto Carlos style, against Aston Villa. He scored two free kicks that game. It's on the near left-hand side of and he bends it around the near side of the wall and into the near post. Or I think of, and this is why I couldn't have Oliver Kahn in goal. I think it's 93-94, JJ Okocha versus Oliver Kahn, where he's through and then he fakes a shot about four or five times, surrounded by five players, and just humiliates Oliver Kahn. Yeah. I'm sure you Oliver Kahn, you know how bad he was. Nope. Yeah, I was take that say. too kindly. He wouldn't have been happy about it, would he? <laughs> no, it, it was, I think it was German goal of the year, and then, you know, he had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Right. Awesome, right. Let's go forward. So we're now into the second three. Mm. So we've got two wingers in the cam, or, or what are we saying? Um, so the cam is a guy who's going to move around. He's going to float around. But the left-hand side will start um, is somebody who I think is not discussed in the conversation for the greatest of all time for a reason. Um, when we think of greatest, for me, you have to talk about longevity and consistency, which is why you get Messi Ronaldo. Yeah. But this is a guy who, like... R9 is, I think, possibly the best player of all time, and that is Mr. Ronaldinho. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Out of prison and into JJ's team. <laughs> First up on JJ's team. So I think Ronaldinho, for, for me, was one of the people, if not the person, who I think everyone has someone when you watched him was when I fell in love with football. And it was also in large part because he played like I did, which was I smiling and laughing all the yeah, time. Yeah. It's true. That's very true. He clearly enjoyed it, didn't he? Coincidentally, also, Okocha was his mentor at PSG when they played together. So it's a nice link up there. Yeah. <laughs> that Imagine imagine you're a defender in league, uh, in like the 2000s and then you've just got... One lad rainbow flicking it, passing it, and then he the next one rainbow flicks it as well. <laughs> like, oh my god, what do we do? <laughs> just tackle it, just tackle it. You can you can actually you, you can see uh JJ Koch's influence on his game as well. If that yeah, is absolutely you absolutely, absolutely. See that. And same, I never knew that, which was cool. It's the same play style completely. Uh there's a quote from Kocha where he says he is like Ronaldinho is like a little brother to him. And it's the same play style, the same step overs, the same flicks, the same ride in the challenges. Yeah. Um difference just, is could Ronaldinho do it at the Reebok? No, <laughs> no I don't not. think so. Probably not. <laughs> uh but you know, I think his his impact on the game when you talk about him, even though he was at his peak for a relatively short period of time, like he, he just changed the game. I think when you look at how football is marketed, you know, that rise in kind of Nike in particular and that brand and TV adverts, he was the centerpiece of all that. He was also kind of, brought, he brought Barca back to life, but he was also kind of that last relic in the era where you could have a good team with one superstar and win. Yeah. After that, it's changed a bit. Now, when you have the dominant teams, you've got 60 million pound players yeah, in yeah. every position. But Ronaldinho, <sighs> Lord. Next level. Yeah. Next he... level. Was he the last number 10 before Messi? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it, Messi it, came through. Famously, Messi's yeah. first appearance with Barcelona, he came on as a substitute for Ronaldinho. And so Ronald... passing there. <laughs> Didn't Ronaldinho give him his first goal as well, the assist where he flicked it over the yeah. top? 
just meant to be. It's like, imagine you're uh, obviously Messi's come on to be like the, one of the best, if not the best yeah. ever. But imagine you're a 17 year old kid, as Messi was, coming onto the pitch, and Ronaldinho is there. And yes, Argentina, Brazil, a bit of a rivalry, but like seeing past that and just getting served on a plate by Ronaldinho as a 17 year old, that's just a dream. Yeah. Gives you, gives you that confidence. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, what more do you want other than a literal physically passing the mantle? Literally. Uh, as I said, I think there's a good reason why he's not in the conversation for greatest of all time. But the best player, and watching the eye test, Ronaldinho is hard to argue against, yeah. I think. Totally with you. If only for that free kick. We're, we're, <laughs> of, <laughs> we're of that age where, when we were getting into football as well, he was probably the best player or the most exciting to watch you know? yeah. the humans um, are that real 100% yeah. no, there's probably if possibly my favourite football video of all time is the Joga Benito advert where it's yeah. him side by side as when he's a kid yeah. I just I watch that every time before I go and play football it's just oh <laughs> I love the Nike advert which he was in it was Brazil versus I want to say Portugal yeah it's Portugal and yes, there were so many different players, and like the ball went out of the stadium, and Messi volleys it back in. And oh. is it not it's him a... that gets nailed by the ref? Yes, yeah. he gets nailed by the ref. Or even that first football bit where people started talking about whether you know they could actually dot to vids when he was hitting it against the crossbar. Repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just look, what a player! Great choice, great choice. So he's on the left. Yes. Who's in the? Where do you want to go next? Right or middle? Um. So I'll go. I'll I'll go in the middle. Uh, I'll save the right to last. So in the middle is a guy who is not Dennis Burkamp, but is playing the Dennis Burkamp role, where he's technically a striker, but he's a number ten. Yeah. And he is the best number ten of all time. I'm excited. Mesa Özil. That's it. Oh, all right. That's it. Bold statement. I, I, I don't think it's controversial. I will defend this until I die. Mesa Ozil is the greatest playmaker ever to play football. Wow. Ooh. He is. Jake, I remember the hot takes. It's, it's not a hot take. It's statistically, <laughs> Ozil is the greatest ever. You know, I think he I think he's is he the only person to lead lead assists. I think it's in Germany, in Italy, and in England, or something mm. stupid like that. He, it is, it is incredible like that Arsenal had him and thought, no, we're just going to leave him on the bench and not even put him in the yeah. squad. What, so this is really interesting. You, as an Arsenal fan, because we, we've got our opinions on that whole situation as like mm. United and Liverpool fan, but as yeah. an Arsenal fan, how hard was it watching Ozil just sort of sitting there, not, not coming on the pitch? And not... That is something which will haunt me forever. <laughs> I am... You just, you guys just told me I am furious. Yeah. I am fuming. Listen, Ozil, when, when you, <laughs> Ronaldo, at the time, the best striker in the world, was furious that they let Ozil go. Yeah. He said he was the best playmaker. Mourinho, Mr. Anti-Football, who I hate with the burning passion, <laughs> said that there's no copy of Ozil, not even Spoiler a bad alert. copy. <laughs> Jose Mourinho is not your manager. <laughs> Uh, you know what? He, he he gets so much flack and it pisses me off. The first time that, when I learned that Urza was coming to Arsenal, I loved him. I fell in love with him at the World Cup, 2010 World Cup. Yeah. And then he went to Real Madrid, 
killed it. I was on holiday and it was the end of a transfer window. And I actually remember the last day of the window, I was on the beach. I was on the beach and I came into the clubhouse on the beach to watch the news to follow the Ozil transfer. It blew my mind. And I don't think it's I don't think it's surprising that Ozil comes to Arsenal and we break our nine year streak and win a trophy in his yeah. first season. And then we win three FA Cups in four years. And then we come second in the Premier League, which we should have won because he had 19, was it 19? Sorry, he had 16 assists by December. 16 assists in December. He was going to break Thierry Henry's assist record. And then Giroud goes 15 games without scoring a goal. We had something like 60, 70 big chances missed that season. <laughs> he, he is the single most gifted playmaker ever. Full stop. Not a hot take. All right, all right. Well, you you sold it. I'm a, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm not fully on the on the bandwagon. Eh? I but, don't know. Um, where was it you went? Fenerbahce. Yeah, and, yeah. and I want to I want to touch on this as well because him leaving Arsenal, and you saw it as well. You know, everyone said he was a luxury player and you couldn't afford to carry him. The difference is when you carry him, you might concede three, but you can score four or five. Yeah. When you drop him, then you just concede three. <laughs> and you're not scoring anything. And and you saw it with Arsenal fighting the relegation zone until they brought in the, the three youngsters, was it Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe, Kaya They were bottom of the league in chances, in assists, in goals, in shots, in shots on goal. Yeah. And you saw it. And the backlash that he got, one, when he called out the racism in Germany, when they said that no racism, as he said, he's German when he wins and he's Turkish when he loses. Yeah, And also calling out the internment camps for Muslims in China, and then Arsenal drop him from all their sponsorship stuff. He gets dropped from Pez. He gets just essentially abandoned and thrown to the side of the road. And you just have your highest earning player and your most talented player sitting outside the squad yeah. for how many months while you're oh, fighting in the relegation zone. It's crying shame, isn't it? And I think it's, it's so poignant that like they sell him and then they sign Martin Erdegaard who is essentially just a young version of Meza Ozil. <laughs> like, not, what his what yeah. his game is, what they missed, was the Ozil type. So they, yeah, it's mad. I had it all along. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I signed, I think, like everyone, Erdegaard from when he came into Foot Manager from like 2015 and every single save. And he's, and he's brilliant. And I love him. I really do. But he's not Meza Ozil. No. And you saw that where we stopped playing with a number 10. We weren't creating anything. Then you brought in a player from your academy, Emil Smith-Rowe. He plays a number 10 in the Urza world and suddenly you start scoring again. He's a talent, isn't he? He, he is the greatest playmaker to ever play football. I love it. That's I, I, die, I, on that, told me. die on that hill. Yeah, all right. I'm 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 halfway up the hill at the moment. I'm almost there. <laughs> Mate, I, I, you were talking about like wanting to be a prime minister when you were younger. I, I want you as prime minister now. <laughs> yeah. You can tell me on anything. Oh, <laughs> listen, it's it's still in my career trajectory. Just about. Well, if not I president of the Mesut Ozil fan club, will go for you as well. <laughs> yeah. All right then, let's move on from the greatest number ten of all time. Mm. Is it the greatest right-sided player of all time? It is. It is. He can play in the middle. He can play centre mid. I've seen him play defensive mid. I've seen him play on the left. I've seen him play in a false nine. He is the greatest number seven of all time. Um, and he is somebody which I think your guess was Martin. 
alluded to him. Martin alluded to him. Ooh. Oh, Martin was a long time. And ago. this this is this is my surprise package. This is this is it. This is the show. This is my guy, my favourite player. It's not Joel Campbell, is it? <laughs> is it is it an Arsenal player? Is it an Arsenal player? It is an Arsenal player. Is it, it? Is the it is the best Czech Republic player of ah, all time. Ah, Tomasicki. Yeah, yeah. Is it Thomas Rizitsky is he's beautiful. That man is beautiful. Yes. All right. So I was quite off the mark with Joel Campbell there. <laughs> Uh, I was very insulted when, when Martin said it was Nedved. Right, so this team, a lot of it is, is very personal, and Thomas Rosicki is the most personal one. So when my dad died, I was in primary school. And as somebody who had played football virtually every day of my life up until that point, I wouldn't say I was depressed in the usual way or what people would think. You know, I wasn't sitting around crying every day, but I just lost interest in everything, including football. My first memory of Thomas Rosicki was the 2006 World Cup. It's my first year, first year, year seven. And what we would do is because if you left school, you would leave too late and so you'd miss the matches. So I was in my geography teacher's classroom after school watching the game. And the first memory I have, Thomas Rosicki, is him scoring against the USA, an absolute screamer from outside the box. And then the commentator said, Rosicki's coming to Arsenal and we're going to see a lot more of that. That's my first memory. Thomas Rosicki made me fall back in love with football. That's incredible. That, that is my guy. Love that. I used Such to, a player. I used, love, I used to love watching the World Cup and knowing that you could watch uh, whatever your team's new player was if they were there. And you just got to you just watch whatever country they played for just for them. I love stuff like that. When I was uh, I think it was in year six, we had to do like a, a project on a country. And I literally chose the Czech Republic because I loved Milan Baros and I loved mm. Thomas Rosicki. So my I, guys loved them. I know. Jan I know that. I know that both of you, and you'll you'll have to forgive me if I spend a little longer on Thomas Rosicki. But I know that both of you appreciate Thomas Rosicki because George, I think you mentioned Raquel May. Yeah. And Drew, you mentioned Alonso. Oh yeah. And both of you were talking about them being understated players. Who didn't grab the headlines, but all their good work was in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is Thomas Rosicki to a T. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that as well as another Arsenal player, Arshavin. Arshavin, flash in the pan, but just <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I remember he he. There was one particular season with Arshavin. I know I won't go too much on him because the, the four four Liverpool. Yeah. Listen and and. The Arshavin point will come up later, actually, as well. But Thomas Rosicki, I think when you look at Arsenal and being Arsenal, it's the worst thing, the injuries. You know, when you, when you think of Eduardo, Ramsey, yeah. uh, Wilshire, Diaby is obviously the worst. Yeah, yeah. But Thomas Rosicki, remember, I think it was his, his first or second season when, when he had that injury and he was out for two years, essentially two years and then from then it was just those niggling injuries which came back every time he tried to recover i spent half of my life as an arsenal fan looking at the team injury updates every week when they put them out and every week i got i was getting vexed because they would do all the injury updates and thomas rosicki wouldn't even be mentioned <laughs> and it was so jarring but it was it was one of the great things about him in that because he had spent so much time off the pitch, I think he said it in, in an interview once, he was in his 30s, but he was playing like his, he was in his 20s because that's how he felt. And even when he was 32, 33 in the Arsenal team, he was still one of the fastest players. 
there's a clip of him. Um, there's a 2000, I think it's 2007 game against Man United. So you've got Ronaldo in the peak of his powers and Rizitsky chasing him down from his half down to, to the byline at the other end. Ronaldo, Ronaldo's got the ball, but Ronaldo on the ball blew past players yeah, yeah. at that time. Chasing him down all the way down the pitch and then slides and dispossesses him at the end. And, and that was just Rizitsky. Sum up, he's the best slide tackler of the ball I've ever seen. Um, he was quite a defensive winger, I thought, when he was at Dortmund. You know what? And and that time at Dortmund, he was already rated as one of the best kind of prospects in the world. He was in that um, Nike cage advert. Yes, he A lot was. of people knew knew who he was, but he, he killed it at Dortmund. He came over, at, and what I loved about him was he was a big game player. So that same that same game with Ronaldo, it was a game which Arsenal played United, and it was one one, and then Henri scored a 90th minute winner, a header, and he got the pre-assist for it. <laughs> but his track record against Spurs, in particular, yeah, I was going to mention his goal against Spurs. Oh, which one? I was going to well, say one nil. I was thinking a hero for Arsenal yeah. fans. Listen, if 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 you kill it against Tottenham, you could have. You could play no games all season, and if you kill it against Tottenham, you'll be a hero. James Rosicki, <laughs> he has an interview where he says the worst thing about living in, in London is Tottenham. That, that alone <laughs> is enough. But So his games against Tottenham, you have the 5-2 game, uh, or there were multiple 5-2 games, but a 5-2 game um, where he gets the pre-assist, I think, for his own goal. You have the game at White Hart Lane, where it's in the first two minutes, the ball goes forward to Oxlade Chamberlain, touches it back, scores a rocket on the volley yeah, into the top left corner. And you have the FA Cup, I think it's the 2013-14 one, where we won it for the first time, playing against Spurs, beat them on the way. And he robs Danny Rose of the ball at the halfway line, goes one-on-one all the way to Larice. Kyle Walker's uh, herring down on him and then chips Larice. He loved playing against Spurs. Yeah. Uh, Nothing better than a player that hates your main rival <laughs> they just get it i love that i mentioned it on mine that, that dirt cow just loved playing against everton just yeah. loved it and like riziki was that with spurs like they said just oh what, what a player loved him and, and you know when when you live as, as an arsenal fan going for a for a nine-year streak and you get bullied in school every day about it <laughs> and then you go and win the trophy i remember so we go two down against hull in the first 10 minutes I nearly hurt myself very badly. <laughs> I drank a lot. And I remember, um, so we scored the two, we come back, uh, Cazorla's free kick. Then obviously Ramsey scores the last minute winner, but in extra time, or Arsene Wenger subs, he brings on Yaya Sonogo, Pavidovsky. And then in extra time, you bring in Jack Wilshire, Thomas Rosicki, completely changed the game. And then obviously Ramsey hits the last minute winner. I, yeah. I ran out of my house in my socks up the up the up the street to the main road and knelt on the sidelines side, side street by the road as the traffic passed by for about two minutes <laughs> then i realized that there was still a couple minutes left and the game came back and collapsed on the floor but it like rosicki being being a part of that he, yeah man one of the, one of those drivers of those cars today is still telling that story. The guy who's on the side, kneeling you know, down. You know, and in his time, we never finished uh, lower than fourth. And then I think we 
finished second his last year, then we finished fifth when he left. Um, but it was always, we had that run where we were terrible and fighting Spurs or Villa or whoever it was, the fourth. He comes back and the team recovers from his injuries miraculously in, in spring, comes back and, and, and kills it. He also has a very funny record, which I came across, which was he's both the youngest and oldest player to represent the Czech Republic. Oh, wow, that's incredible. I don't know if I don't know if he still has it because Czech might have taken the odds one, but at one point yeah. he did have that. That's yeah, I was, I was going to say to have that not as a keeper is pretty is pretty incredible. <laughs> Although keepers wouldn't have both of them, but like to have the old <laughs> is pretty pretty incredible. That's Fair play, incredible, yeah. What a player! Yeah. I always think that he was just a better G something Park in the fact that you could stick him wherever you wanted and he would put an absolute shift in for you. I- that's the thing with all those at times very bad Arsenal teams he was always the one player where he always put in a shift Mm. and you know Arsene Wenger I saw him playing as a defensive mid I saw him playing as a false nine he always put the shift in and there's a quote there's two quotes from Arsene Wenger actually there's one where he says if you love football you love Rosicki and there's a second one where Arsene Wenger of all the players that he's had at Arsenal he said that Thomas Rosicki was the perfect Arsenal player and I think that says everything that is That's a so very good review from mr arsenal himself <laughs> okay that. i'm done blushing right hey, mate, that, that's that lovely really nice though that's what made you fall back in love with football though so like that play obviously yeah really lovely that this team so far is is got to be up there with one of the best teams we've had in this podcast yeah so it's got to be it's got to be a fairly decent striker it's gonna be terrible um, now isn't it so, um, so, is go it going to be an Arsenal legend? So, the, the strikers were tough because I don't have strikers that I love, which is really weird, but I don't. Ian Wright, I love Ian Wright, but I didn't see him play much. The, the players that I, that I thought about this, I thought of uh, AC Milan Pato. I thought of Papi Cisse in his little streak when he first came. Um, I had to discount Drogba because he hurt me too many times. <laughs> Obafemi Martins was a, yeah, was a late yeah. shout, but he screwed Bingham. us in the League Cup yeah. final. Asamoah Jan had that nice little streak. But uh, Torres obviously got dropped for me. Um, so so I did I did have to have to just complete it with. It's, it's the greatest strikers I've ever played. Come on, it's Thierry Henry. Yeah, yeah. When you said when you said you don't have strikers that you love, I was there going, but you were an Arsenal fan. <laughs> you know what? The <laughs> striker. I have I have striker that I love. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> what like he's he's got to be one of the most capped players on the style just at the moment. Yeah. I think most people, and I'll say this boldly, most people debate the greatest Premier League strikers, but I don't think most people debate the greatest Premier League striker. No. I don't. I think most people accept it's Henri. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand what you mean. Uh, and yeah. him him and Burkamp together was just something Oof. special. That, that's, that's why I've got Ozil in the Burkamp role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, imagine, imagine if Ozil and Henri had been able to play together. That would have been... It, and, and, and that's the thing, and that goes back to Ozil as well. I think if you give Henri or, or anyone the chance... Pick a number ten. Everyone's going to say Ozil, but but I mean Henri, and that and that was the the great thing about him as well. Obviously, he had his scoring exploits, and he won the Golden Boot, however many times. But also that season where uh, he switched and he got the I think it was was it twenty four goals, twenty assists, or was it the other way? Yeah, twenty four goals, yeah, twenty assists. 20. Yeah. And you've got the best striker in the league 
creating at that level and obviously yeah. he still holds that record today what do you do <laughs> yeah. that's it you can't can you like because it's on them like you can, it's like if i put a comparison to basketball where like the best scorer on the team will often get double teamed but mm. in, the, in the modern nba that player will now just pass it out because they're good at passing and that is what Henri was he would get double teamed he'd get triple teamed like defenders would just go after him and then he just like pull a pass out of nowhere. That's the kind of thing you just can't defend. That's why it was so effective because so unpredictable, but so also predictable, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I, you knew what was I, coming, but you just couldn't stop it. I can't remember if I said this one of the other times that we um, that he's been picked, but the uh, program he did with Gary Neville, where I think Gary Neville goes around and just chats to like Premier League legends and goes through like moments in their career. And one of the games that they spoke about was against Liverpool. And he was saying that... Um, they figured out his game and the first half they had, they had him shut down and he was angry about this. So he just decided to change his game for the second half <laughs> and came back. And I think he either scored one, one and assisted one or scored two or something like that. And it's just like, if there's a player that can go in at half time and go, right, they figured out my game. I'm going to change it and do this. And then it works. That's, <laughs> that's something magical in it. Unbelievable. It, there's, there's a documentary about him. And I was just, just thinking that the 24 goals, 20 assists, I think it's Messi is the only other person to do it. They've got 20 in each and Messi's done it once. But there's a documentary about him and they're talking about it and, and the way they describe it is he's the only player that came to mind where he, you could have no chance in a game and then he just flips a switch mm. and it's over. Yeah. And and that was, that was him for however many years. <sighs> Where'd you even go? He almost made Zanetti not make my team because of the 5-1 against Inter Milan. <laughs> he takes it from his own half, goes all the way on his own, twists and turns Zanetti a couple of times and then scores. It doesn't need Pires arriving. Like, and the joke is the amount of insane goals like that he has. He has against Liverpool. He has against Spurs. He never lost against Spurs. Um, he has the, the flick up and turn and volley against United. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it? that one pains me. <laughs> he just... Where'd you even go? I, I don't understand. Like, how... like you said, he is the best striker in the Premier League. Yeah, hands down. No one comes near him. Like, obviously, Shearer's got the most goals, but he play, also played for a crazy amount of games. But Henri, for what he did in the period of the Premier League that he played in as well, where the amount of legends he played against, like, he wasn't playing against like bad defenders. He was playing against the best defenders, like, in their peaks, and he was still doing it. Then he went and did it at Barcelona. And yeah, then he went to New York and did the same thing. Like, not quite the same level, but for his age at the time, and then he's still going there and doing it. That's just crazy. And and even then, like you know, when he left, I cried. When Rosicky left, I was in tears and I was in a, in my bedroom for days. When Rosicky uh, when Henri left, I was actually out of the country. I was in Nigeria at the time, and I cried. And and what he did, and I'm so glad he went and won the Champions League. But even that season when we should have won the Champions League. What he was doing to teams, the the goal in the burnabout, that performance, yeah. and and you just knew what you got from him, and probably arguably the biggest biggest big game player of all time. Yeah, he loved it. Loved it. I remember. I remember when when he was at Arsenal as well. It was like the big United Arsenal rivalry, and um, it was <laughs> if if you came up against him and he did whatever, you'd sort of hate him but you couldn't hate him for some reason. There was something about him that you just, you couldn't hate him. You just had to respect it. And you just had to like, yeah, that's That's exactly what it is. Because <laughs> like, I hated Vieira. 
I hated other Arsenal players. It wasn't it wasn't anything about that. It was just something about Henri. You couldn't hate him. Listen, and even even when you talk, you know, his most controversial moment with the with the island and the, and the handball. At the same time, you're asking yourself, would you, as a fan, not want to go to the World Cup? And it was that ruthless streak where he had it, whereas he's just going to kill you. Yeah, every that. he he was that was there was controversy around that. You put anyone in that position for their country. You put me and Drew in that position for Wales. You put you in that position for Nigeria. They're doing it. They're doing absolutely. Exactly oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no question. Absolutely. Wouldn't yeah. think twice. Especially same, with, same with a Maradona uh, hand of God. If, you, if you know, if you knew you were going to get away with it, you probably just. <laughs> and, and every every island fan would have said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> They, they were hurt at the time, but yeah, like of course you would, of course you would. Well, what a player, and what a striker for this team. The service yeah. to him, and then him providing the service to players around him. Whew. Now I'm expecting the super sub now is just going to be like the worst player of all time. But I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Who no, we got? No, the super sub is statistically the best substitute in Premier League history. You actually, uh, you actually named him earlier. Joel Campbell. <laughs> Arshavin. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's Mr. Grandad himself, Carnu. Yeah. Oh. So, Go on. so I found this out. Carnu is fourth in goals off the bench and fourth in assists. Wow. Oh, so yeah. And so nobody else is above him in both. He's the highest in both. And also, he's super tall, so not many people are higher in that sense either. Kanu is, you know, again, being Nigerian and growing up on stories of him, we always had the joke that he was 20 years older than he than his passport said he was. <laughs> and he moved that way like a granddad. But he was so brilliant. I think it was I think it was a hat-trick against Chelsea, his goals against Chelsea, where it just didn't make sense for him to be scoring and moving how he did. Like, I, I did consider Walcott was a great sub and Giroud, but Giroud, uh, Giroud can't do after what he did to Ozil. So I'm, I'm sticking with Kanu. Uh, brilliant. Uh, that, like you said, that goal, I think it's the one where he dances along the byline and then just comes back along and then somehow bends it in. Because you look at him, and let's be honest, if you look at him, like you said, he moves a bit like a granddad. Yes. Sort of, reflect, sort of reminds me of Peter Crouch in the sense, you look at him and you think, yeah, all right, he can't play. He's probably not going to football. But then like Kanu used to dance around people, six foot six inches, just dancing around like mad. And that's it as well. He just, it just didn't make sense for him to do what he did. And even though that Arsenal team was great as it was, having him coming on and doing what he did. You need players like that, don't you? Absolutely. You need someone to come off the bench and just give it that little spark again if, if something's not going right. I love, I love his club history and the fact that it went Ajax, pretty big team, in at Milan. Massive team, Arsenal, massive team, West Brom, Portsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> it was like something happened there. He, he he must have been at least fifty by the time he was at Portsmouth. Yeah. <laughs> but even like the, the Chelsea goal I mentioned, where he comes off the touchline and does the keeper yeah. at the byline and then chips it in anyway. Just it was just that level of grace. Yeah, it was like what are you doing? It's like stop it, stop. Oh my God, how has he done that? Like, like he's one of them. Like you said, he's just a legend in every sense of the word. If you don't know too much about him, you'd know of him. 
Like yeah. no one doesn't know who Carnu is in the Premier League. I spent being a mountain. Yeah, so I always got really confused when Wales started picking Robson Carnu, and I was like, originally I just saw Carnu, I was like, what? <laughs> and then it, yeah. then it turned out to be Robson Carnu, not not. Yeah, that's that's not my super sub. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I would have accepted either. Hey, we would have accepted Robson Carnu. <laughs> Amazing. Well, well, what a hell of a team that is. You confused me with the formation, but I can see now that is the best reverse Christmas tree I've ever seen. Slash the only reverse Christmas tree that I've ever seen. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't think I've ever heard of this formation, but it... Uh, and well, I, I spent too much time on Football Manager. So <laughs> Perfected it. Right, we will take a short break. Join us again, where we will go through the manager, the kit and the stadium. Welcome back. Let's get straight in. Manager, who have we got? You've got an Arsenal fan coming on. Come on. I was going to say, it's not a <laughs> shock, is it? It's listen, Unai listen. Emery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Just took a short break I, while uh, JJ <laughs> leaves and composes himself. <laughs> For anyone listening. Listen, I was... I was for the dirtiest look. <laughs> Good evening to I, you too. I was at. That's the one time you don't see me smiling or laughing. I was at. I was at the train station on the way to work in Runcorn when I got the news that Emery was sacked. I was hopping up and down the train station. I was running about in a suit. <laughs> I looked like Mourinho when he celebrated on the touchline all over the place in my suit. That's the theme um, here of you celebrating Arsenal milestones by running up and down the touchline. <laughs> yeah, I did almost go with with Pirlo just for kicks. But no, it, it's Arsene Wenger. Um, oh, a player manager, that would be interesting. I I was tempted just for the twist. But I think Arsene Wenger, and this is another one, and I don't think it's a hot take, Arsene Wenger is the greatest Premier League manager of all time. Ooh. Full stop. And I will make my case. And I will prove it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm on board. Listen, I'm never saying Ferguson's it, so you crack on me. <laughs> Listen, look. Ferguson, Ferguson was a great man. He did bits. But his project was not the same as Arsene Wenger's. Firstly, Sorry, uh, first, before you carry on, can we just at least sound like that bit where you say Alex Ferguson did bits? <laughs> he, he did bits, but he's not Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Listen, I mean, look, Harry Kane can score goals, but nobody's talking about him as the greatest Premier League striker of all time. Let's be honest. True facts. So, Arsene Wenger, for me, firstly, if you do not play attractive football, you cannot be the greatest manager of all time. You cannot. Ferguson is out. Secondly, if you look at what he did, and obviously coming in and, and attacking Liverpool the way he did, props to you. You you had your little group project and you did well. Okay, you got a B plus. Cool. But you look at what Arsene Wenger did coming in as a nobody. Arsenal got slated for hiring him. Revolutionised not only Arsenal but the Premier League. Everything from foreign scouting to diets and training, that's all Arsene Wenger. All of it came from him. And the reason you had that success in the, in the late 90s, the early 2000s, was because before you had all these scouting systems in place and before you had teams of hundreds of scouts, Arsene Wenger knew. He, he was just brilliant. And I think the biggest knock on him will always be, obviously, the latter half of his reign. Yeah. Now, me personally, and I've I've checked, I've kept my social media receipts. Never asked and then get out. I've kept my receipts. I was <laughs> fighting for him until the day he left, 
and still will do. And and what you saw was when he left, the problems did not start or end with Arsene Wenger. It's all about the, the, the hierarchy. And what you had was when we left Highbury, all the money which he was no longer allowed to use, <laughs> suddenly, what do you think is going to happen? Um, but before that period, you come in, Arsenal's, Arsenal's not challenging Man United, and you come in and you go toe-to-toe out of absolutely nowhere. And the best part was he did it. It wasn't bringing in superstars. There's ringing in. Henri was not heralded when he came, when he came over. Nicholas Anelka he bought for what less than a mil, and then he sold him for like thirty. Like Colo Torre was one hundred and fifty thousand pounds, something like that, and turned Crazy. him into one of the best centre backs in the world. Called called going invincible, then went invincible after everybody laughed at him. And you see a team like Pep's Pep City or Klopp's Liverpool, amazing, brilliant. Undeniably great teams can't go invincible. Yeah, can't. it's impossible. Arsene Wenger, what he did over the years, his projects, and what you saw even in the latter half of his reign, and for me, this is the credit as well. What he did, which Ferguson never did to the same extent, was he made players great. Fabregas, you see what he did with Fabregas, you yeah. see what he did with Henri. Pires, Pires wasn't Pires when he came to Arsenal. No, no not you know, at all. Ashley Cole is arguably the greatest left back of all time, and that was Arsene Wenger that did that. Yeah. Even even when you're talking about the days when he was, when everyone was laughing at him for getting Champions League, and he said it's harder than you think. Nobody listened to him, and, that, yeah. and now you see it. But when he's getting Champions League with the players that he was getting, <laughs> like you've seen some of those team sheets where it's just for jokes. You got Andre Santos out, <laughs> out on the left. You get Kim. Joel Campbell. Joel Campbell, Shamak up front, Lord Bentner. Like, you're <laughs> seeing those teams. Ferguson never did that. I, I, I love that man. He taught me so much, you know, about football and as an individual as well. One of the things I love most about him is you never saw him attack his players in public. And then he got ripped for it by everyone else, but you saw how it insulated and protected guys. Mm-hmm. You've got George Weyer, who Henri, the greatest striker of all time, says, Weyer is the great, greatest striker of all time. He's, what, president now? And when he won best player, he was thanking Arsene Wenger and saying he was like a father figure. Yeah. Crazy. Hell of a man. Hell of a manager. So, I've been quiet throughout the whole thing. Yeah. You said it. And I'm not going to badmouth Arsene Wenger because I do believe he is one of the greatest managers and will be one of the greatest ever managers for a long, long time, if not forever. Mm. But you said he's better than Sir Alex Ferguson. He is. So I've gone and found their head-to-head records. Mm-hmm. 49 games they played against each other. Fergie won 23, Wenger won 16. Okay. Ferguson won 13 league titles to Wenger's three. Mm-hmm. Fergie won two Champions Leagues to Wenger's none. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Wenger's got him in FA Cups with seven compared to Fergie's five. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say you're wrong. Okay. Can just- you... Before you carry on, can you get Roy Hodgson's record for Liverpool, please? And then <laughs> my 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 first response to that would be, yeah, look at compare the records of Arsene Wenger up till two thousand four five before before the move, before the stadium, move, then come back to me because those stats are different. Okay. Secondly, okay. No, 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 like I, I heard everything you said and I sort I do agree with it. I just this, had to fight the case a little. No, bit. no, no. I I appreciate that. Ferguson Ferguson has. Good points, but 
the other the other side of it as well two team Premier League titles probably the good points there the the, the other side of it as well what I want you to do is go and look at spending right so so, so Arsenal have an owner who's richer than the Man City owner I think it's only uh, I think it's only Abramovich he's behind in terms of how much money he has and look at how much money that we've actually spent there's a story you mentioned Arshavin there's a story about Arshavin signing on deadline day. I think it was something like 14, 15 mil, which was our breaking our transfer record at the time in 2009, which says a lot. But there's a story from, from I think it's the agent, I can't remember. And he's telling a story about that signing and how Arsenal refused to pay an extra, it was like 1.5 mil for Arshavin, who had just killed it, the Euros. They refused to, play it, to pay it and the agent had to pay it himself. Yeah, like Mad. that's what Arsene Wenger was working with. Every year, his top players were getting sold. The players that he produced, Nasri, Fabregas, Van Persie, all of them, and he had to sell them. I will never that, had to deal with that. that. You know that uh, Fergie, in the especially in the later years, had so much more money to work with because they had the Glazers. They had mm. just been throwing money at players to come play for them. Um, and if if a player came to play for Arsenal, it was. The, the main reason would be to play for Wenger. Ozil said, Ozil said the exact same thing. Yeah. And you see it in, in Ozil's interviews. He came to Arsenal because of Arsene Wenger. And you saw it with so many players as well. Well, all I'll say is, we can argue about this all night, but we all know <laughs> that Roy Hodgson at Liverpool... I actually, I've actually searched his record at Liverpool. I oh, don't. Let's not... Like, let's quickly <laughs> I, I was going to say all it says is total LFC games as manager is thirty one. What a man! I was I was going to say if you were talking about Roy Hodgson, where is he? Switzerland, wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he at Inter for a bit? To Inter, yeah. yeah. Where it, famously he told where, Roberto Carlos that he would never make it as a football player. Wasn't that also where where he told called Pirlo a dickhead because he mispronounced his name? <laughs> it's like yes. he called him Pirlo or something, and it was like dickhead. And that was back when Roy Hodgson was 72. So now he's 106 and he's still managing. What a, what a man. He needs to end that career, I think. <laughs> right, let's get away from these managers. Yeah. We all know Roy was the best. <laughs> you both stated your cases. The fans can decide. You both stated your cases. The fans can decide. And also, I will I will appreciate everything you said because you clearly know what you're on about. And, uh, you've put a lot of good points out there. So, so let's, let's move on to the stadium. I'm going to assume you're not going to pick the Emirates. No, I'm not. So one of my things is growing up, I was not, you know, rich. I couldn't afford to go to games all the time. I actually never got to go to Highbury. And so I relied on, on TV like most people. My first trip to the Emirates was a family friend who had a season ticket. And that was my one game. And we lost to Aston Villa in true Arsenal fashion. Yeah, that's what that scarred it? me for life. <laughs> um, the other... Arsenal games. I got to go to Crystal Palace away, where Rizitsky killed it. Um, I watched a United game. I watched Arsenal away at Norwich. Old Trafford was okay. Uh, not much atmosphere. It's not great. Norwich was okay. Crystal Palace's atmosphere is awesome. Especially I was stuck in the away. I was stuck in the home end as well, so I couldn't cheer. But that that atmosphere is incredible. Um, <laughs> I, I heard uh, Wrexham has been discussed. Once or twice, now, yeah. Just now a couple I've... of times. <laughs> Just a couple of times. I'm, I'm happy with where this is going, though. 
Now, I've never, I've never been to, to Wrexham Stadium, so I'm not going to say that, but it did remind me that in my time working in, in the courts and, as I said to you before, uh, spending time in Wales for my job, Wrexham has a lovely county court. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> as an aside <laughs> note, uh, probably don't ever end up in court, but it has a lovely courthouse. Um, but no, my, my favourite stadium that I'm going to put is where I grew up, uh, just around the corner from me was Griffin Park, yeah, uh, Brentford Stadium. It's no longer there. No, they've moved. They just they just moved in the, the last couple of years. Yeah, last uh, last season was the last season at Griffin Park, wasn't it? And then oh, season before, so, sorry, 2019. Yeah, yeah, so so it's a bit it's a left field choice, and I've never actually been, but Griffin Park was just around the corner from me, and I know it's got that really weird stat where it's got a pub on every corner which i think is, <laughs> is amazing um but it was just around the corner for me growing up and my story for it again is going full nostalgia is my parents actually got married there oh amazing. wow <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's class. like that's as good a reason as any yeah man that's so, so cool did they get married on the pitch or was it in like a I don't half time actually... I don't actually know, but there's a there's a photo of them and their whole entire entourage outside the stadium. Amazing. Um, I'm in a wedding gown and everything. That's <laughs> so cool. That's amazing. I, 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 stadium that is up there with the best we've had. You know, I probably should have asked whether it was like the after party there as, as opposed to the actual ceremony. I don't know. I don't care. I, I don't want to know because in my head, they were so they were in the centre. <laughs> lining, up in, lining up in the tunnel. You had, you had the groomsmen on one side of the pitch. You had the bridesmaids on the other. <laughs> so visions of like a Roy Keane sort of, I see you out there. I see you out there in the tunnel. The lads, come down, the, tunnel. the lads come down So wait, we're not training today? <laughs> yeah. Just hope the sprinklers don't turn on. I hope whoever you married them was rest, uh, dressed as a referee as well. <laughs> <laughs> amazing hey i love that that's really oh, nice. that's a great story though I love that. lovely all right well we find ourselves on the penultimate choice mm. got the kit and the name so what is your kit going to be yes so kit you know what i have this thing i don't actually like most of the arsenal home kits i really don't i think they do away kits and third kits better i agree um the the bright yellow and blue collar away kit was was awesome and that's actually the first arsenal kit i ever got with lungberg on the back um i think that bruised banana one is obviously very nice but I like that one too but fortunately um as a nigeria fan i have access to some of the best kits ever yeah. um jj okocha again growing up watching watching him and his kits he looked lovely um this one was a lovely yeah. Nigeria kit. What year is that? I got. Um, this was 2014 World Cup. Um, so one of the things, as a Nigeria fan, not being an England fan, is that it turns out before the internet progressed to what it is today, it was actually hard to find kits. You don't have a Nigeria kit in every store. They're very hard to find. Now, obviously, you have access to things like classic football shirts on Instagram and all that stuff. But at the time, it wasn't. So the 2014 World Cup kit, which everyone went... uh, Sorry, 2018, 
uh, kit, which everyone went wild over, that was a very sore point for me. I never got to buy it because yeah. it sold out the same day. It sold out instantly Man. everywhere. It's got to be one and of the all... selling kits, isn't it? Yeah, all the non-Nigeria fans will buy it. <laughs> 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 so I never got a chance to get it. It seems unfair, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what? It really does. I waited all that time and I couldn't get it. Um, and then after uni, I was, you know, poor, like most people. So <laughs> I've never had the chance to buy it. The current Nigeria kit is actually really nice, arguably nicer than the 2018 one. Um, it's white in the middle and it's got... Yeah, yeah, big, um, big kind of it in, the in the middle, isn't it? Yeah, in a zigzag. Um, but for the kit, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the with the 2018 one in my fantasy. Let's pretend that I actually get to have one for <laughs> once. One day, one day. <laughs> well, in this, in this, you're in the team. So you and this team will be wearing that top. So that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I get to actually have it for the first time. A dream time. come true. <laughs> it's a beautiful kit. It really is. Nike smashed it out of the park with that one. They absolutely killed it. It looks awesome. Yeah. The new one, admittedly, does look really great. But wow. I do intentionally. It's the new one. So it's the one with the white down the centre and like sort yeah. of different shades of green going down and the green yeah. zigzags on the side. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. Beautiful. Um, I'll get both of them eventually when I'm not poor. But <laughs> well, there you go, and there we have it. What a team! So we're going to run back through your choices mm. and make sure that you're happy with everything. Yes. In case you might want to sub about yourself for Ned Torres at the last second, <laughs> or sneak Joel Campbell in there if you really want to. Uh, and then at the end of this, you can name the team. So mm. you went for. Let me get this right. A three-one-two-three-one reverse Christmas tree formation. Yeah, that's the one. Maths. Your goalkeeper, <laughs> the great sweeper keeper, Manuel Neuer, and your trio of defenders, the ultimate trio of Italian-based defenders, Javier Zanetti, Alessandro Nesta, and Paolo Maldini. Mm. Uh, and in the defensive midfield role in front of those three, you have the false six himself. It is you, JJ. <laughs> In front of you, you've got an absolutely worldy pair of Perlo and JJ Acoccia. Uh, on the left of your attacking three in that midfield, you've got Ronaldinho. In the middle, what you claim to be the best number 10 of all time, the assist king himself, Mesut Ozil. And on the right-hand side is Czech Republic's best player, again, in your words, and I'd probably agree with you, Thomas Rubinsky. Yeah, and then the striker... Thierry Henry and the super sub old granddad Cardi <laughs> manager Arsene Wenger stadium the venue of your parents wedding Griffin Park in Brentford and then that elusive World Cup 2018 Nigeria kit as the kit for this team all that's left to do is name the team mm. so for the name um I didn't really have too many ideas, to be honest. But what I did go for was, my time was about, oh, when was it, 2012, 2013, 2014, when I had nothing better to do than play pro clubs all day. Yes. Um, so I've gone with the name of my first pro clubs team, which was Teku FC. Uh, T-E-K-U. Teku FC. Very random word, which I pulled from, there was, there was a, TV show, a cartoon many years ago called Accelerators, and Teku was a word, in it. <laughs> and that's the name. 
Love it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, JJ. It's been great to have you. What a great team. So before we let you go, you have the floor to plug your own content. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you both very much for having me, having me on. I've had so much time to think about this and digging into the recesses of my memory and pulling out (laughs) obscure players has been absolutely shocking, but also lovely. (laughs) I'll tell Um, tell you what as well. I've got to put it out there as well. Probably one of the better teams we've had. In fact, it is one of the better What I will say, just to plug my team very slightly, is that if you sit deep, you have players who will pass through you. And if you press, you have honorary and five players in midfield, or six, including me, who can spray it over the top, and then about seven different free kick takers. I think as well, you are the first person who's tactically thought about yeah. what you can do with this team as well. So, fair play. Appreciate it. Um, myself, so <laughs> I run, I'm not going to call it, a, it's not a blog. I run uh, social media channels. <laughs> virtually everything uh facebook instagram twitter i even just started a tiktok way too late um <laughs> uh, a podcast called frivolous arguments uh which basically sums me up <laughs> um where i initially did it to start talking about starting a legal career from the bottom uh, but also speaking about mental health um, as somebody who uh has severe ocd oh that's a fun story very quickly when i used to play fifa uh, about 06, 07, my OCD was so bad that if I had less than 60% possession, I did not count it as a win, uh, which <laughs> oh. inspires my team as well. But yeah, you see, that makes oh. a lot of sense with the team choices. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, they're not going to get less than 60% possession. No, but but OCD, uh, I also suffer from depression. So I speak a lot about mental health and try and encourage that, uh, particularly with young men who obviously don't talk about it and need a platform to talk about. I've also... Uh, been very active in my advocacy for racial equality, particularly over the past year and events that have transpired. Um, so Frivolous Arguments, I'm currently doing a series celebrating women as well, having inspirational and remarkable women on, talk about all manner of things, um, but would very much appreciate anyone who wants to come have a listen, have yeah, a watch. Yeah, definitely go over there, guys. I've been I've been paying close attention to the, uh, the women's ones recently, and a great listen really is interesting to hear you talking to these great women. It's incredible. So yeah, definitely go check JJ's stuff out because it is great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, there we go. Thanks again for coming on the pod, JJ. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, what a man. What a podcast. Lovely to have JJ join us. It's been a real pleasure to have him on and definitely do go and check out Frivolous Arguments on Facebook and on YouTube and anywhere else you can find it because he does have some great content, some really interesting conversations with some really interesting people. So definitely worth going to check that out. Definitely a different vibe to what we're, we're plugging here. But if you're into that sort of intelligent conversation and, and sort of eye-opening things, definitely head over and check out JJ's stuff. Yeah, and all the stuff he's trying to push as well. It's fantastic. Yeah, incredible stuff. really is. Awesome. So team-wise, let's dive straight in. Manuel Neuer, ultimate sweeper-keeper. The sweeper-keeper. The sweeper-keeper. Yeah. Can't say much more on him. Like, yeah, I was going to say, there literally what else is can you say? Like, I, goal I think, it, yeah, I think his statement that he's the best goalkeeper in the world, I don't really agree with. I think there are better goalkeepers now, but for a long time he was. I definitely, definitely was. And he he was the mould for all the keepers now who play out from the back. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Less successfully than him, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. 
that back three. Yeah. Zanetti, yeah, I think you've got to talk Nesta. about them as a three as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Zanetti, <laughs> Nesta, Maldini. Even though they played on the same in the same stadium for different teams, and maybe they probably wouldn't get along on a personal level because they're yeah, maybe not, but... diehard rivals, especially when uh, Zanetti and Maldini were playing against each other for like 25 years. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they played a lot of each other. But yeah, that that is quintessential Italian Serie A defending, oozes class. Yeah. And Great them, choices. And them along with Pirlo shows, the shows like he said, that he used to just watch Serie oh, A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then that, the, <laughs> CDM, JJ. Now, you hear that, you hear in this podcast, JJ, very well spoken, very intelligent guy. He, uh, Obviously, has a career in law. He's a really intelligent dude. But on a football pitch, like he said, he became more cultured. But when we played with JJ, he was a ball of energy. He'd just run around, taking people out, bundling people over. And even though this is an audio, JJ's hair is incredible. He's got him running around with that hair bobbing around. It was just incredible sight. I'd love to see it. I love playing football with JJ. It was really a lot of fun to play football with him. Like and a great player, too. Anyone that can just... Play play the game of football with a smile on their face. Yeah, that's 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 why you play it, isn't it? Yeah, he absolutely. Really loved it that much that he couldn't wipe that smile off, even if it did anger other people. Yeah, exactly. So we've mentioned Perlo. For some reason, my notes are written Andrew Perlo. That's not that's not it's an old Andrew. And, Andrea Andrea Perlo, not Andrew. Uh, and then the second JJ in the team, JJ Kocha. We've we've gone in depth about JJ Kocha in the past. All we need to say is Rainbow Flicks, skills for days. What a man. The streets will never forget. The streets will never forget. <laughs> and so Ronaldinho, we've had a few times before. Yeah. We've mentioned a lot about him. We've mentioned his prison time. We've mentioned his skills. Yeah. But what I do love that we found out, well, at least I found out, you, you might have known, is that he was like the apprentice of JJ Okocha. Yeah. Which is really cool. Well, he was actually... He was, see that. They didn't actually play that much together, JJ and Ronaldinho. JJ went on to Bolton pretty much when Ronaldinho joined, so there wasn't that much time between the two of them um, uh, okay. as a crossover. But there, obviously there was a little bit, and obviously the influence is clear. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, hell of a player. And then... And we, me and Drew have been sold. Me and Drew yeah. have absolutely yeah. bought into I'm in. the best number 10 in the world. I mean, <laughs> well, when Guy spoke about him and spoke about the goal against Ludogorets and... Uh, maybe it was Martin actually spoke about the goal against Ludogorets, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a, that's a a player that oozes class." And then to see that Arsenal sell him and then buy a player or loan a player who is pretty much a carbon copy of what his play style is, is pretty funny. But yeah, the best number ten of all time. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Like I say, he fought, he fought it enough, and he he clearly. <laughs> Yeah, he's, like gonna have say, a, he's gonna have a hell of a career in the law industry because uh, he convinced yeah, us. Yeah, he could tell anything to me. I believe, <laughs> I could believe him on anything. So yeah, fair play. <laughs> the player that made him fall back in love with football, Thomas Rosicky. Lovely yeah. choice, a great player. Loved the game against Tottenham. What more could you want but, from a player? And such a shame about injuries and so. Yeah, exactly. But but you, you get a lot of players like that. But what's good about him is he he would come back from injury, but he would still give it his all. And yeah. You'd see some players who might drop off a little bit. Not him. Yeah, great stuff. And then the striker, the striker. We've spoken about him in length before. There's not enough we can say about him. We'll just say Vavavum, Thierry Henry. He's the guy. I wouldn't have said Vavavum when he's been picked yet. I, I don't know. <laughs> just do want to hate Renaults. <laughs> We're all about Vauxhalls on this podcast. Yeah, 
list. <laughs> and then the super sub, Grandad Carney. Grandad Carney. Oh, I'd never heard that before that he was called Grandad Carney. And no. now that I think about it, it's perfect because that's exactly how he moved around. He moved around like he should be on a Zimmer frame. He was so lanky as well. He was based on uh, on a basketball court, would he? No, no, he would fit right in. He'd be dunking. Apart no from problem. maybe the fact that if you move around like a granddad on a basketball court, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't exactly the like the the buffest guy either. I think he'd get pushed over quite easily. But yeah, for football, he was great. West Brom, Portsmouth legend. <laughs> uh, manager Arsene Wenger wasn't going to be anyone else. It wasn't. Yeah, that's he it. I did try and argue it. <laughs> no. Yeah, you tried your best, but you f- I think you failed because uh, you're not winning an argument with JJ there. He, I mean, he had he had facts prepared. He'd been yeah, he'd been prepared, prepared, and he can he can like sell anything to oh, anyone. Yeah. So he, he was ready me on the fact that Alex Ferguson wasn't the best. I'm not quite there, but he, was <laughs> he came prepared. He was ready for that. He was ready for that. He was ready for some fight back with that. And then the stadium, a lovely little story about his, where his parents got married. Yeah, I love uh, that. Griffin Park in Brentford, a legendary stadium that, like we said, unfortunately has. Has gone now. It's not the stadium anymore. They've moved on to a, a big money stadium. Is it still there or has it been demolished? I think it's been taken down. Um, but yeah, it's a um, hell of a stadium. Iconic. Very nostalgic because it is a legendary stadium that obviously now now it's gone becomes even more nostalgic as is the way nostalgia works. <laughs> Come on, a mansplain uh, nostalgia on the podcast. Well, there you go. And then the kit. We've had the Nigeria kit before. Joe Roberts chose it on his podcast. The Nigeria 2018 World Cup kit. It is, without doubt, one of the nicest kits of all time. Yeah, the reason the JJ's picked it as well is lovely, and the fact that when it did come out, him uh, having Nigeria heritage, he wanted that kit so much. Got sold out within a day, which is ridiculous. Uh, so in this team, he can wear that kit, which is lovely. Yeah. And if you do have a way of getting that kit, let us know. So we can get JJ to shoot. That would be. Yeah, I want to get it to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to highlight, actually, we won't be paying for it. We can just send him the link to pay for it himself. I'm not. <laughs> I like the guy, but I'm not paying for shit for it. Very expensive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, especially that one. Jesus. And then the name Tech UFC. Everyone's everyone's had pro clubs, surely. Everyone has pro clubs. Yeah. If you're not, <laughs> if you play for you've not played pro clubs, you're missing out. Get on it. It's fantastic. It's just you will argue with your mates. Today, <laughs> it makes friendships it breaks friendships <laughs> yeah. well there you go a great podcast great to have JJ on with us really really interesting guy to have a conversation with about football clearly knows his stuff and just an all round nice guy great guy to have on the podcast so as always we'll point you in the direction of our social media channels we've got Instagram we've got Facebook we've got TikTok we've got Twitter and we have an email address which is uh, nostalgiafcpod at gmail.com and today we had our first email Woo! it was of a former guest so that's disappointing not disappointing that we had an email but it's not <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah great lovely to have an email but yeah if you want to get in contact with us do so by the email slide into the dms we're open to that um but just make sure to check us out on those socials go follow us we share some great content george makes great videos we share some funny pictures and uh, we have a general, a lot of fun on those socials. So come and join us. Yeah. And as always, if you have the ability to rate and review us, please go ahead and do so because it does help us move into the algorithms and get into the charts and all that jazz. Um, that's not why we do this, but obviously if you can do that, it'd be, it'd be lovely. It'd be a nice help. Keep, keep this moving and keep it growing. Exactly. So that was JJ, Josiah Raphael, delivering Teku FC. 
And what a team it was. And what a team it was. We have had JJ picked a couple of times and we found out some great facts about him. For example, did you know his name is not JJ? It's Augustine. Yeah. Okay, you knew that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, thunder there. 